0: Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through Chinese dramas. We are your hosts, Kathy and Karen. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Chasing Dramas, or else email us at Karen and Kathy at ChasingDramas.com with any comments or feedback on what we've discussed today. Today, we will cover episode two of zhi fo, zhi fo. Yingshu Lufei Hongshou, or The Story of Minglan. Please listen to the intro to the drama episode to get some background about the show, history, and cast. The drama is available on YouTube with English subtitles, so please follow along with us. The podcast is in English, but with proper names and historical phrases said in Mandarin Chinese. In today's episode, we will split it into three parts. The first is an episode recap, the second is some historical analysis, and lastly, some differences between the drama and the book. Okay, I will be honest, the next couple of episodes are rather sad, so I've generally avoided rewatching them too often but they set the groundwork for how Ming Lan, our main character, develops in later episodes, so it's good to see the conflicts. The core of this drama is around family life in the Song dynasty. This episode begins with the fourth daughter of the Sheng family, Mo Lan, trying to impress Grandma Sheng by reciting some texts she's memorized but Grandma Sheng isn't particularly interested in listening to her. And remember, at this point in time, Lan and Minglan, all the girls, are still relatively young, I think, sub-ten years old. Lan returns to her mother, where she throws quite a tantrum. Her mother is the concubine, Mistress Lin, or Lin Xiaonyang, who wants her daughter to tend to Grandma Sheng's side, because that means there will be more opportunities for her daughter in the future. While we will definitely despise Lin Xianyang later in this episode and for the rest of this drama, we have to empathize with her because she is trying to ensure that her daughter has a comfortable future. Most moms would want this for their children. Little Ming Lan, the main character, she is sixth in line in the family, greets her father after he finishes a chat with Grandma Sheng, where Grandma Sheng actually praised him for disciplining his son after his embarrassing display during the engagement betrothal that we talked about in episode one. Evidently, nothing escapes Grandma Sheng's eyes. She also urged him to see Minglan and her mother because of this embarrassment that was prevented due to Minglan's courageous act in the last episode. After he leaves the room, he sees cute little Ming Lan waiting for him. She wants him to visit her mother and he finally agrees to see them. Ming Lan runs off in an excited flurry. Isn't she just the cutest? Yes, her and her little maid, Xiao Tao, run off and they're just super, super cute. From this conversation scene, we can surmise a few things. One, Sheng Hong does not favor Ming Lan nor her mother. Though Ming Lan's mother Wei Xiaonian is pregnant, he does not visit them often. Instead, he favors Li Yang. And two, Ming Lan is very generous and kind. She wanted to gift the pastries that her grandmother gave her to her father. This means she doesn't keep everything for herself, but knows when to offer good things to others, even her father, who presumably has these things. Minglan excitedly shares with her mother that her father will come visit them. Her mother warns Minglan not to mention anything about the coal and the fact that they aren't receiving their allotted allowance. The maid, Xiaodie goes out of the house to exchange their unusable coal for usable coal in order to have heat in the house when Sheng Hong or Master Sheng arrives. At a main door, She is stopped by a servant because she does not have a pass to leave. Another servant helps her exit via a side door. This turns out to be a problem in the future. Minglan's father, Sheng Hong, does indeed come to visit and everyone is very excited. He praises Minglan's arrow-tossing skills and he and Wei Xiaoyang have a pleasant conversation while Minglan goes out with the maids to make tea. For this brief moment, it is a warm scene. However, Ming Lan disobeys her mother's words and mentions how they only have a little bit of coal left. Her mother tries to stop Ming Lan from saying more, but Ming Lan ignores her and kneels to the ground in tears. She recounts to her father their destitute living conditions. They are freezing at night, they serve their tea for guests, even pastries from grandmother are saved for special occasions. Sheng Hong is shocked to hear this and storms out of the rooms, looking to stand up for Wei Yang and Minglan. Unfortunately, this scene is seen by a servant that runs off to spread the news. Sheng Hong storms right over to his wife, Madame Wang or Wang Danyang's room. This Scene I, for some reason, just find really funny because at first he's all in a huff trying to be the big man, but when he sees her, he immediately changes tact and doesn't directly accuse her of anything. Why does he go there first? Well, it's normally because it's the wife of the house who manages the household. Giving out coal would fall under her purview. Thus, it makes sense for Sheng Hong to ask why his wife is not giving his concubine any coal. Wang Danyangzi does not have a good temper and immediately gets into a shouting match, but her maid, who is evidently more even-keeled than her master, reminds Sheng Hong that the family keys have been given to his favorite concubine, Ling Xiaonyang. Wang Danyangzi has nothing to do with giving out coal, or the fact that Wei Yang is not receiving her allotted allowance. Now he realizes that it was Lin Xiangyang that was neglecting Minglan and her mother. But before he can do anything, we see that Sheng Hong's servant, Dong Rong, has already exposed this news to Lin Xiangyang to help her prepare for what's to come, of course for a heavy fee. When Lin Xiangyang is asked to come to the main hall where Sheng Hong and Wang Danyangzi are sitting, she is fully prepared with fake records, indicating that she never lied about giving Minglan and her mother their allotted items. When asked then where the materials went, since Minglan's rooms are indeed freezing, Lin Xiangyang's camp suggests that someone must have stolen it. Now this is where we see the manipulative and devious nature of Lin Xiangyang versus the overly kind Wei Xiangyang. The entire family goes to search the rooms of Wei Xiaoniang and her servants to find that all of the missing items were actually in the maid Xiaodie's rooms. The searchers, who I think all happen to be Lin Xiaoniang's people, grab the items and present them in the courtyard where Hong, Wang Danyangzi and Lin Xiaoniang are. The maid Xiaodie is accused of stealing all of these items for herself. Obviously, we know that's not true. These items must have been planted by Ling Xiaoyang. This scene turns into a whole fiasco with multiple parties crying and accusing each other. Sheng Hong, the master, who A favors Ling Xiaoyang and B doesn't care for matters of the household, wants to kill Xiao Die and be done with it. Only with the reminder that it is still Hualan's betrothal ceremony and unlucky to spill blood does he change his mind. In the end, Xiaodie is banished from the household and sent to hard labor. This scene, while as infuriating as it is, is incredibly revealing of each character. Lin Xiaoyang, first up, is shown to be devious and manipulative. She knows how to plot to harm others and has money to pay for like spies in the household. She was the one to frame Xiao Die, but does so without raising too much suspicion. She plays up the inexperienced woman and easily garners pity, especially from Sheng Hong. We just want to roll our eyes at this, but it's quite effective. She also shows us why she's been able to run the household so smoothly to reap the benefits for herself. She has herself a network of loyal servants or spies that will inform her of any news with money. Of course, you know, she'll pay them. Next up is Wei Ming Minglan's mother. Minglan's mother is kind but overly meek. She tends to just take everything that happens and does not fight back. One could say that this is the best way to avoid conflict and to live peacefully, but by being too much of a pushover, she is easily trapped by plots like these. However, when you listen to her begging for mercy, she manages to raise key points as to why Xiao Die should not be killed, but rather just banished. This and other examples from this episode tells us that she's actually quite intelligent and has probably read some books. Unfortunately, she's just too weak. Wang Danyangzi, the wife of the family, her main problem is that she has quite the temper and looks for easy wins. but. I don't think it's actually that unintelligent. She stated that she does not believe Xiao Die must have stolen everything, and therefore she's quite happy to essentially call the police uh, during that time. Unfortunately, her husband cares too much about his face for this to happen. To be fair, Wang Da Yang only cares for an excuse to punish Ling Xiao Niang and for Ling Xiao Niang to not get her way. I don't think she cares much about Wei Xiao Niang. We'll talk about Wang Danyang's background and upbringing in the future episodes, but she has a major chip on her shoulder that irks her husband and, quite frankly, the rest of the household. This leads us to Sheng Hong. He cares way too much about his reputation and not enough about his family. He's not ready to call the police or Baoguan, as they say, because it would mean that everyone in the city would know that his family may have been burglarized. This would look bad for him. He cares way more about his reputation than not wrongfully accusing someone of theft and potentially beating them to death. He also overly favors his concubine Ling Xianyang and gave her way too much power in the household, which created quite an imbalance in the family. His personal backstory is a driving force for his behavior here, but I don’t think that necessarily excuses for how he is. Uh, acting towards Wei Xiao and this theft situation. Before anything else can really happen, we hear news that the eldest son of the family, Chang Bai, has been beaten. Sheng Hong and Wang Ban rush out to see their son. What happened here? The other main thread in the episode is the pleasant outing between Sheng Chang Bai and the mysterious boy from the first episode. His name is Bai Ye. Chang Bai and Bai Ye seem to have hit it off really well and went off on a large boat to enjoy a wonderful meal. Unfortunately, bandits raid the boat and kill many people. Luckily, Bai Ye knows some martial arts and is able to fend off quite a few folks. Chang Bai is pushed off the boat and falls into the water. Bai Ye also falls into the water after a heated battle. In the evening, news of Sheng Bai and Bai Ye's harrowing experience reach the Sheng family. While Sheng Changbai returned, Bai Ye is nowhere to be seen. This causes an uproar because we find out that Bai Ye is actually Gu Tingye, the second son of Ning Ho, the Marquis of Ning Yuan. The boy changed his name to make it easier to travel and came down with the Yuan family for the betrothal ceremony. If anything happens to Gu Tingye, the son of a marquis, there would be huge problems. For who? The Yuan family brother. So the entire city is sealed as the magistrates and city officials search for Gu Tingye. There's a massive manhunt and they finally find a body with the clothes that Gu Tingye was wearing that day. Ugh, it looks like this poor guy has drowned. On Minglan's side, the maid Xiao Die is banished from the households, but it looks like Minglan and her mother are now provided with the right amount of food and coal. Minglan is really happy to hear this, but you can tell that her mother is uneasy. In her rooms, Lin Xianyang is plotting in her own way. She's saying all the right things and providing all the necessary services to Wei Xianyang during her pregnancy, but we have to watch out for her. The episode ends with some random dude wearing colors of mourning telling the elders of his clan that in two days it will be a good day for a funeral. Whose funeral is this for and who is this random dude? We will find out in the next episode. That was it for the episode recap. Let's get on with the historical analysis. up is the poem that Mo Lan recites. It's called Chun Jiang Hua Yue by Zhang Ruoxu. My translation of the title is A Moonlit Night by the Spring River. Written by the Tang Dynasty poet Zhang Ruoxu, this poem has been praised as Gu Pien Gai Tang," or one poem that stands above the rest of Tang poetry. This is extremely high praise if we look at all of the poems that were written during that time period. The poem itself has 36 verses. The first section depicts the beauty and tranquility of the evening with the moon shining brightly on the riverbank. The middle section is a reflection of life, and the last section is about the longing and wishes of a wistful wife and a lonely wanderer. The two lines that Mo Lan quotes are 昨夜闲谈梦落花, Or it translates to, or my translation is Last night I dreamed of flower blossoms falling into a pool But for me, the spring is already half over and I haven't returned home It is actually quite a beautiful poem Zhang Ruoxu himself was born around 647 AD and died around 730 AD He was a famed scholar and civil servant during his time. However, his poems were not widely mentioned or quoted for several centuries. It was only during the Ming Dynasty where his poems included in collections of Tang Dynasty poetry. He only had two pieces, including this one, Chun Jiang Hua Yue Ye included in Quan Tang Shi or the Book of Tang Dynasty Poems, a comprehensive collection of around 49,000 Tang Dynasty poems that was commissioned by Emperor Kangxi in 1705. Even if one can be included, that's high praise. And uh, as we said earlier, some scholars reckon that this one stands above the rest. There is also a famous traditional Chinese melody with the same name and is widely performed on various different traditional Chinese instruments. Next, let's talk about Junzi Liu Yi. This is really a throwaway line when the master Sheng Hong finally visits Wei Xiangyang, He praises Minglan's arrow-throwing or pitch-pot abilities. He says a line, The translation is this, A gentleman has six arts. The six arts are the basis for Chinese gentlemen's education and this tradition dates all the way back to the Zhou dynasty over twenty five hundred years ago. The six rites are Li, Yue, Shu, Yu, Shu, Shu, or in English, number one it's rites for Li, two is music for Yue. Three is archery or Shu. Number four is horsemanship or yu. Number five is calligraphy, or shu. And then number six is mathematics, or shu. Specifically for archery, there are five ways to master the skill, which is also why it is called wu Shu or five types of archery. This also ties to the origins of pitch pot, or arrow toss. Last time, we mentioned that during the Zhou dynasty, men were expected to know archery. The six arts is a reflection of this tradition. Lastly, for this section, let's discuss the strict social structures of the household, especially with regards to children, wives, and concubines. In the drama, the Madam Wang or Wang Da is the wife. The literal translation is Big Madam. She is the wife to Sheng Hong. She properly married him with all the bells and whistles that we saw in the previous episode. The main wife, or big madam, usually is the daughter of a wife from another family. Again, the daughter from a big madam or Ling Lin Xiaoniang and Wei Xiaoniang are mistresses of this household or concubines. The literal translation of Xiaoniang is little madam. Usually, mistresses were from poorer households, from a lower social strata, or the daughter of a mistress. The wife or tanyans should typically manage the household. We'll see in this drama that it is not the case in this household, and we'll see all the drama that plays out because of it. Children during this feudalistic society also have strict restrictions. Every child in the family, no matter who your actual mother is, must refer to the wife or da as mother or muqin. If your mother is a mistress, such as Minglan's mother Wei Ming Minglan can still only call her birth mother as Xiaoyang or little madam. She cannot refer to her birth mother as mother or muqin. Maybe in private maybe but in public, there is only one mother for the children of the household, and that is the wife or danyangzi. Listen when you watch this drama, the distinction is made very clear, especially in public. Everyone will always refer to Wang Yang as muqin. This is just one example of the restrictions uh, within society at this time, and these are going to be the source of constant conflict within the story. We'll expand on these as well uh, as we discuss the drama, but we want to lay the groundwork here. Now, for the last section of this podcast episode, let's discuss the differences from the buffer. The maid Xiao Die does not exist in the book. She's a character that was added to correctly highlight the cunning and wiles of Lin Xiaoniang and the naivete and meekness of Wei Xiaoniang. Ming Lan herself is but a child, but her mother is no match for Ling Xiaoyang. I mean, the Madame Wang Danyangzi isn't a match, so it's a pretty sad state of affairs in the Sheng family household, I would say. We won't see much more of Xiaodie in the drama, but she's our first introduction to the casualties of women's battles in a home. And in this drama, we're not even in the palace. It's just a regular family. Well... A more educated family, but not, a, not as extravagant as an imperial royal family. Next up, in the novel, Gu Tingye never comes to Yangzhou as a teenager and does not befriend Cheng Bai. He shows up way later in the book. The whole scene with him and Chang Bai encountering bandits on the boat doesn't exist. The next episode revolves around Gu Tingye's family, so we'll provide more backstory in the next episode. Here, we also get a glimpse of the slimy behavior of Hualan's future brother-in-law. He was happy to sit back and watch the fun when he heard wind of potential scandal in the Sheng family with regards to potential thieves, but as soon as he hears of Gu Tingye's potential death, he immediately begs the Sheng family for help. Let's just say that Hua life in the Yuan family will not be extremely peaceful, especially with these in-laws. Lastly, I just want to say the little actress for Xiao Tao is so cute. I love her. She is one of Ming Lan's most loyal maids and will stay that way throughout the show. But she's so cute. That is it for the second episode of the story of Minglan or Ju Ying Shi Lü Fei Hong Here's a question. Do you think that Minglan was correct in telling her father that they didn't have coal and food, or do you think that she should have listened to her mother in not saying anything? This will certainly have big repercussions in the next couple of episodes, but I think it's a really good uh, question for us to reflect on. How would we react or behave in this kind of situation? In the next episode, we will find out what happened to Gu Tingye, and then also what Lin Xiangyang is further plotting for the family. Thank you all so much for listening. The music you heard in this episode is the Chinese Zheng version of the main theme of the show. The sheet music is written by Yu Minjiao Yan, Yan and played by Karen. If you have any questions or comments on the show or what was presented in today's episode, please let us know. We will catch you in the next episode.